So, Berto, I have a bunch of questions from the listeners that you and I can answer. What do you say, Berto? Let's do it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist, and I'm also a professor. My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I solve unsolvable puzzles. Uh, speaking of which, let's talk about our interest in true crime podcasts and TV mm. shows. Uh, Dasha from Slovenia asked the question, I would like you to talk about where our interest in true crime, crime comes from. What is behind romantization of serial killers and mass shooters? It, it is interesting that it's mostly a female phenomenon. I wonder if it is therefore more prevalent in societies where women's aggression is discouraged. Berto, what do you think? I wonder, you know, the, the first part of the question talks about crime, tr- true crime, which is a broader category, and it includes, you know, like uh, definitely lots of murdering happening, but not very often not even serial killers. It's like, you know, someone that went a little... Uh, a little crazy because of uh, infidelity or things like that, famous events, all these things. The more specific serial killers, mass murderers, because you, you have a fascination with it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, but but I'm saying like the the one that's more about serial killers, psychopaths, mobsters, this kind of thing. I wonder uh, if that does skew. I, you know, maybe it does skew a little bit in that it's like usually literally bad boys like the worst of the bad boys you know um okay so i have a couple ideas i know we talked a little bit about this before but there is something that needs to happen in order for the world to work when we are struggling for resources and we are little cave people and uh there's just no luxury there's no modern luxury and that is violence violence has to happen you have to either defend your tribe, you have to just like kind of like be the one in charge and violence might be involved there. You have to hunt. Uh, even if you don't hunt, even if you're like just collecting berries, animals will attack you. Violence is involved in your daily survival. So violence had to be somewhat glorified for that to work. Because imagine if you're an organism that like any signs of violence, you discourage it. And I don't know if you can survive in this reality. Now, you could poke a hole in this and say, really? Like, what's violent about like many vegetarian animals? I'd say like, actually, there's a lot of violence that happens in vegetarian animals between themselves. Clearly, they can't always resist the carnivores, but they try, you know, okay. So, well, well, and just to bolster your point a little bit, we evolved from uh, similar ans- or the same ancestor as bonobos and chimps, yeah. and both bonobos and chimps have a structure society-wise that involves violent action when necessary to protect territory yeah. from other groups of bonobos and chimps. Yeah, and there could be an evolved. Uh, pleasure if you will yeah in the uh witnessing or enactment or even just hearing the stories of violence so that leads me to okay that might explain the anti-heroes like the sopranos or things like that where you're like watching a psychopath in a fiction get away with crazy things but in a way you're watching them succeed Uh, you know not necessarily at the end of the movie but you're watching them be clever with their violence now, the thing about true crime drama, though, is usually you're watching, I mean, you might be watching Unsolved Mysteries, but often you're watching about something that the, per, the people did get caught. They might already be in jail. They might have been executed or whatever. So there's this additional aspect to it, which is 
they didn't get clever. I mean, maybe they got they didn't get caught for a while, but finally they did. And now we're learning about everything bad they did. And it also doesn't seem functional. These aren't like, wow, they sure rose to the top of their pyramid with those crimes. No, it's like they killed people a lot of times for no apparent reason. And it was grist. So what is that? And and I I wonder if that's like the vestige of that fascination, but kind of gone awry. Like we we think, well, yeah, violence has its place, and now we don't see much of it in our daily lives. So ooh, let's look at this that looks looks violent, and this might be why we like violent movies and true crime drama. Yeah, you know, it's like that outlet. Yeah, kind of like exaggerated situations like porn, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so. The, f- the first thing I'll say, Dasha, is that, yes, we clearly have a fascination with killers, mass shooters, true crime, and evil in general. Uh, Ted Bundy killed, what, 12 people, 15 people? That we know of, right? He, yeah. He claimed there was a lot more. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of death that has occurred in the world, yeah. this is like a, a drop and a drop Small and a drop. Potatoes. Yeah, it, it, it compared to what governments have done yeah. or the genocide in Rwanda right. uh, why Ted Bundy like if, if we're just thinking like by pure numbers of right. death uh, there's probably several individuals in Rwanda who killed many more yeah. you know uh, uh, exponentially more people uh, there are soldiers that have killed a, a lot of people yeah who yeah. probably murdered all sorts of people yeah. um and I'm not just talking about Rwanda. We're talking about Nazis yeah. or other kinds of atrocities. And our own soldiers, when they go to wars, they right. kill people. Yeah. Why Why Ted Bundy? You know, what is it about him? Um, and it is an interesting question. All the serial killers, the mass shooters, the podcasts, which are, uh, you know, reportedly listened to a lot more by women. We're talking like 90% really? women listen to these uh, true crime podcasts. Whoa. Something like that. Uh, documentaries, Law and Order. Um you could argue that all of our fantasy, like Star Wars movies, yeah. are all about this fascination with characters like Darth Vader, this kind of thing. And especially more recently with like Cruella and Joker, these sympathetic points of view with yeah. these really terrible characters. I mean, Cruella was a terrible human being <laughs> who murdered d- puppies yeah. and wanted to m- murder puppies. Uh, Joker was also a terrible human being. Right. Like, uh, he, correct me if I'm wrong, killed all sorts of people. Oh, yeah. Killed. Wantonly. Yeah. Killed that guy on that, (laughs) killed uh, uh, Robert De Niro's character. Anyway, so it it is interesting that we're attracted to it and that we watch it so much. You could argue that half of our entertainment, uh, regardless of gender, has to do with the observation of evil acts. And there have been many... Uh, theories put forth that I will present right now, but keep in mind that we don't understand why we do anything. (laughs) I mean, we understand why we crave food and sex and attachment, but we don't understand why we're so obsessed with say fashion, you know, like we could, we could take a guess and we could maybe tie it to evolution, but our culture is so, way beyond the African savanna at this yeah, point. Lots of abstraction. <laughs> we just don't really understand why we do anything. And uh, so keep that in mind. But some of the hypotheses that I enjoy are, one is we like to have adrenaline rushes. Mm-hmm. We like horror movies. Uh, we like to do peekaboo with a child. Yeah. It's all that kind of feeling of of being scared 
but not actually being in danger. So hearing about a ghost story or a story of Ted Bundy or a serial killer, I think gets our heart moving because we feel the danger we're imagining ourselves being there. And it is a, a bit of a adrenaline and maybe even endorphin rush from that experience. Yeah. Uh, number two is I think we're all trying to gain mastery over a situation. So uh, it's normal for us, and we probably evolved to be this way, that when we see danger or hear about danger, we want to know about the danger so we can avoid the danger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for example, for me, I, I have on Reddit, I subscribe to this one subreddit called Idiots in Cars. Okay. And it is what it is. It's just a bunch of idiots in cars uh-huh. doing idiotic things. And I am fascinated with these videos that they post because why? Why? And, and one hypothesis based on this hypothesis is that I'm... I I'm I am driven to watch these idiots because it makes me feel safer on the road because I feel like I know the signs or the early signs of their idiocy mm. you know or I I or at least I have the fantasy or the unconscious uh, premise that if I pay attention I'll somehow be safer Got and it. I think that's another reason and I think this is why women in particular like these true crime because. Women are by far much more victimized by all sorts of violent crimes, and uh, they uh, uh, understandably have an interest in knowing the typical abusers. And if you listen to all these podcasts, it's a lot of men doing terrible, terrible things. Um, We also probably evolved to pay attention to danger to keep us safe. We also get to fantasize about having power over others. And I think this is why a lot of men, you know, women listen to a podcast or they like true crime about being, you know, men being terrible psychopaths, victimizing people and women included. So from their perspective, they're trying to get to know the psychopath. They're trying to understand it so they can protect themselves, whether it works or not is highly debatable, by the way. But for men, we're much more interested, culturally speaking, in power. And so we like to watch gangster movies because the very, you know, mm-hmm. well-worn trope of a gangster show yeah. is they don't take shit from anyone. They have got the power. And if anyone gets in their way, then they're going to be able to, uh, you know, beat the guy up. So I will absolutely 100% agree with that when it comes to gangsters and many villains in movies. However, the the serial killer one is a little funny because, uh, at least for me, I, I remember when I when I first started reading about Ted Bundy, the reason I was so fascinated, as far as I can tell, it, it's obviously multifaceted, but one thing is my dad had talked to me about Ted Bundy. He had mentioned him. And I remember uh, when, what's his name, uh, the Dahmer, when Dahmer happened, I remember my dad talking about serial killers. Okay. And since he was a psychiatrist, like he had talked to me and I had even, he had shown me in the DSM and like I had, you know, I can been like, whoa, this is weird that this happens. Also, there was this dark part about myself that I also sort of saw in my dad that felt, wasn't really, but it felt psychopathic, which was the apparent ability to, in certain cases, turn off your emotions. Mm. I, I had noticed it in my dad in the sense that as a doctor, he seemed totally unbothered with dissecting a cadaver and with many things that were like many people, you know, squ- made sp- people squeamish and stuff. 
And I was like, oh. And then I started realizing that there were cases where I could simply tell myself, I'm going to not care right now. And then all of a sudden, like a little flip would go in my head and I'm like, oh, I'm okay to... Like I remember watching on the TV, there was some sort of surgery or something. And I was like, oh. But then I'm like, nope, you don't care. And then I was like, I was fine. And I watched it and it was fine. It was really weird. So I was kind of fascinated with that. And so when I was reading about Ted Bundy, I'm like, kind of almost this dark fascination with like, can I be a serial killer? Not that I wanted to be, but like, well, you know, yeah, this is good. This is another hypothesis that I have. And it ties into why a lot of people like Spock or data or other kinds of characters, uh, other kind of characters like this, who uh, are, uh, you know, proposed proposed to have not, they don't have emotions or they, they seemingly have control over their emotions because, emotions are good and bad but and there's a lot of bad that come from emotions right a lot yeah. of pain a lot of longing a lot of sadness a lot of fear and wouldn't it be nice yeah. if we could turn off our emotions and to watch a psychopath and this is why a lot of the depictions of psychopaths are extremely annoying to me because they're never depictions of actual psychopaths right. you know, they're psych- more psychotic than no. What do you mean? Because, like, a lot of times you'll see, like, like the Joker is an example. Like, he's having delusions. Like, yeah. he, he's having, like, he's, he doesn't see reality. Well, it well, depends which Joker depiction. It, well, but many times, especially in the comics, he's really not there. Oh, <laughs> you know? okay. Yeah, right. But for the Ted Bundys of the world and uh-huh. these kinds of people or, you know, other villains, Joffrey Baratheon, this kind of thing, I think that... Or more so, Ramsey Snow, I suppose. This feeling of of wanting to, uh, and I think this is this doesn't go over well with people. Which is the reason why you're so fascinated with Ramsey Bolton and Ramsey Snow. The reason why you're so fascinated with Ted Bundy, or the reason why you're so fascinated with Tony Soprano, possibly is because one. You want to be like them because they don't have feelings, and wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. And two, they have tremendous power. Now, you don't necessarily want to kill. Well, I could even go that far, but let's just say you don't want to kill people, but you definitely don't want to take other people's crap. Right. And these people are always powerful. And again, getting back to my anger about the way psychopaths are depicted is that if you depict actual psychopaths, their lives are train wrecks. Well, and that absolute uh, right. train wrecks, but that's not. But we can't. When if we had a train wreck psychopath on the television screen, they, it it wouldn't help us because we look just we'd look at psychopaths are pathetic. You just look at them, you're like, my God, your life is pathetic. But that that's why I was saying that I I couldn't quite relate to the power thing with psychopaths because when I read these books, I, like you're saying, their life was such a mess that it's not like it's not glamorous in that sense right but but so the fascination had more to do with that weird like how are they able to yeah they don't have emotions how can they do that right and i think also another hypothesis that's related but what you said is that you felt your dad exhibited lack some of of that lack of feeling and it didn't hurt you right um actually i didn't realize that but yes but at the time i admired it right but unconsciously or it was actually causing yeah. damage to you and so i th- i have a hypothesis that the more damage you have experienced from what seems to be callousness towards you 
the more likely you are mm. to be fascinated. Because yeah. I grew up in a pretty right, right, good right. family environment, and serial killers and all this stuff has never fascinated me. Right, right, right. The only reason why I know anything about it is because the listeners have asked yeah. me to talk about it. Yeah. You know, they, they do an episode on Jeffrey Dahmer, and I'm like, That's okay, I guess I'll look that up. And it's, it's just not... It's just not interesting to me. Huh. Um, now, who knows? It just could just there, be who There's I am. also an aspect of it that is um, the the actual part with with um, the violence of it. Uh, there is very different to me, and I, I, again, it's not for everyone probably, but uh, the mob movie violence always feels slightly justified. Oh yeah, they right. always they always slightly make, just like that. they'll make the McDonald's worker an a hole, right? And then well, you had that coming, buddy. Right? Shouldn't have mouthed off to Tony. Right. right. Now you know it's extreme, and you're like, well, no, but still, it's slightly. Just. It's like okay, it's like the whole Chris Rock uh, uh, skit about uh, OJ, and he's going like, you know, he's like, I I I'm not saying I agree with him killing it, but I understand it, you know. Like anyway, so there is that part of it. Whereas the serial killer books, not the actual story, the history of it. Wait, not, Chris Rock's skit was that he has he, a, a thing about OJ that he understands why OJ killed. Yeah, yeah. How is that? that? That's the joke. What's the joke? The joke is he's going like he's saying like, oh, so let's see, I I, I bought you this Ferrari, and then your friend, your just friends, Ron, is driving it all around town, and now he's moving in with you, and all these things, and he's saying, I'm not saying I approve, or you know, I'm not saying he well, should have killed them. I would have to hear that but joke. But I understand him. I'd have to hear that joke, but uh, the way you're describing it, 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 it's not only not funny, but it's pretty like uh, awful because they were divorced. Uh, I know it's it's what common, comedy, but even if they weren't divorced, like yeah, and I get it, I get it. Comedy. It's over the top, but but my point about it is that the the thing with the the Sopranos, all those things, it's like that kind of feeling. Like I'm not saying I approve of it, but I understand it. It's justifiable in this movie moment. Right. When I was reading those books, none of it was, of course, justifiable. Everything was horrific. Well, so, unless you are. S- even slightly, yeah. which which we are all right, misogynistic, right? right. Uh, what do you think I was going to say? N- uh, I thought you were going to go back to the uh, have been abused, like uh, have felt well, abused by unemotional. Well, that shows people. you for assuming you know what I'm going to say. Well, but I didn't. Yeah, because for me, there's, I, a, there's a lot of misogyny. Yeah, and but a lot. I never felt that ever, and and you know why? Because my dad is and was very well, misogynistic. Uh, well, a part of misogyny, Berto, that you do have, which is, which you could argue isn't necessarily misogynistic, it's sexist, which is an objectification of women. Sure. But, and, 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 yeah. a, you know, and that's but pretty... But Jeffrey Dahmer killed men. True. Like, it's, it, to me, that... Ugh. But, but I think this... That was I'm, I'm, never but, a fact. But I'm just saying that it's possible, I don't know about you, but I think it's possible that a fascination with Ted Bundy... That could be, yes. To hear these descriptions of... Because all the women were, like, young, attractive ladies. That could be. And the, uh, the sort of revenge fantasy that a lot of people might have, you know, the incel sure. in all of us. I could imagine that. For, for me, I, I can honestly say, and, and I try to be as transparent as I can on this podcast... Never once reading those stories, especially not the Jeffrey Dahmer ones, because did I ever feel anything but like complete revulsion about what was being described, right? Yeah. That said, like I said, there was that part of it, like, 
how is he capable? How are these people capable of doing these acts? Yeah, yeah, it's at I, all. And I think that's why Ted Bundy is way more uh, interesting to people than, yeah. than say Jeffrey Dahmer or others, is because he was so charming. And right. he and he was so smart. Right, right, right. He escaped from prison twice. twice. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So there was that as well. And but but I guess when when you look at the movies' depiction of things, then it's a different ballgame. Hannibal Lecter is like the mafia thing. That right. one actually makes you go, "Oh, that guy's got power, and he's a genius, and that's cool." Yeah, and he can read people's minds. And he can read people's minds. Yeah. Another theory that I have is that we like to solve mysteries. Yeah. Because we like to feel smart. It's just like, like with Harry Potter, a major element of the plot is there's this yeah. mystery, and then when you find it out, it feels satisfying. Even though I hated all the Harry Potter mysteries, they were always completely. Every time I read those books, I was like, really paying it. Okay, this time I'm really going to pay attention to the clues, <laughs> and then at the very end, Vol or uh, uh, Voldemort, uh, no, uh, Dumbledore, Dumbledore would come in and explain the whole thing, and I'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> what rolling like really <laughs> like basically it was just one big scooby-doo uh it is yeah <laughs> episode where there's all these wacky things that happen and then it just the author comes in and just explains the whole thing at the end i was like come on but <laughs> the anyway first one the first one which i love but it is the most contrived thing in the world because the, all the tasks at the end happen to be things that Harry and his friends could have completed from the previous experiences right. narrated. Yeah. Whereas, why would they make it like that to actually stop both the more? I know. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's a kid's book. Uh, I know, I know, I know. Um, and I love it. So, the, and the last uh, theory I have, which is actually a strong one that I believe in, is Schadenfreude, which is for both the victim and the perpetrator. So when, and I feel this when I actually listen to true crime, is I feel both happy I'm not the victim, yeah, and happy I'm not the perpetrator. Yeah. I, I, so I've told you before um, about recurring dreams that I've had in my life. I, I, it's been a while since I've had this, which is good because it's so stressful when it happens in my dream. I will all of a sudden realize, come to realize that, oh, right, I've killed someone before. And oh then my in my God. dream, I'm, I, then in my dream, I'm thinking, wait a minute, did I hide the body well enough? And I start realizing, because <laughs> at first I'm questioning myself. I'm like, wait, 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 no, this might be a dream, right? And I'm like, no, no, this is real. <gasps> Shit, that's right. I did kill that person. And oh, no, what if they've discovered this and that? And I start getting so stressed that they're coming after me. They're going to find my dead body somewhere, right? Uh. So I think there is something to that, that sense of relief. Yeah. That it's like, that's not me. Yeah, so you wake up in the morning, you're just like, oh my oh God. Oh my God, yeah. Oh, I've, I've had that whole, the whole thing where you wake up and for a few minutes, I'm still stressed, thinking how am I going to hide that? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, 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 thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have a similar dream about smoking. So uh, I have dreams every once in a while about smoking. I used to smoke cigarettes and, and quit. It was extremely hard for me to quit um, years and years ago. But I will have dreams about smoking still, not very often. But in the dream, I'll be smoking a cigarette and I'll think, what am I doing? I don't smoke cigarettes. <laughs> you know, In my dream, I have that thought. But then I... I, but then I remember, wait, no, I I have relapsed. Oh, no. Often. 
but what I'm remembering are the other dreams. Oh, right. So I have this theory of dream is that when we're dreaming, we can't differentiate between memories of dreams and memories right. of reality. Right, right. And so similar to you, yeah. when you are having a dream about, I killed someone, you're like, wait, but I didn't kill someone. But then you remember all the dreams yeah, right. and you're not, you're convinced that that's real. Yeah. That's happened to me with the flight dreams where I can fly, where in my dream I realize. So I know I've dreamt a lot of times about flying, but actually it turns out I can fly, you know? Yeah, so yeah. like I remember the dreams, yeah. but then I'm thinking, oh, but, but it turns out I can fly. Right. <laughs> and cause you remember that you f- forgot or questioned it, but then you, re- but then you're like, but do I have memories of flying? I yeah. think that's the disconnect. It's like, but I have memories that I was flying. Yeah. So, so crazy. yeah. And, and yeah, in my, in my dreams, I'll be like, I must be dreaming because I'm smoking. And then I'm like, but wait, Kirk, you've, you have so many memories of relapsing recently. Right. Oh, I had one like that uh, recently about the force powers. It was actually like a month ago or something. In my dream, uh, I was coming out of a store and I realized that I forgot like something, like my cell phone or something. And I go, oh, I got to go walk in. And I go, oh, no, that's right. I have this thing I can do, which don't don't worry, it's not the force powers, but essentially I can just, if I think about it enough, things will come to my hand. <laughs> and so I sit there and I do it and, and my phone comes to my hand. I'm like, that's right. I forgot I could do that. <laughs> and then in the dream, I start thinking, you know, that's a pretty cool thing I can do. I wonder if I should, like, I should tell people I can do that. And, I, and I'm thinking, I, I know it's not the force, it's not the force, but it's still pretty <laughs> cool that I can do that. <laughs> All right, uh, Birdo, uh, these are not the droids you're looking for. (laughs) And let's take a break. When we get back, let's continue answering questions. What do you say? Let's do it. All right, we're back from the break. We are trying to get people to become annual patrons. So if you can do that, go to your app on your phone or on the website. And where the tiers are, you can click on a button you should be up wherever you know there's tier you know there's deserving listener and there's more deserving listener and even more in in that zone on that page there should be a little button that would allow you to switch to annual when you switch to annual you get a discount and we get the benefit of uh, being able to plan better because we know who is going to be a patron you know if someone's going to be a patron for a year we can kind of count on that are the tears because they're staring at how much money they could be saving and so they're like in tears <laughs> yeah they're crying because they're like i could be saving so much money if i was an annual per annual uh, uh patron uh also let's do some opps O-P-P. for january 2018 these people became patrons all the way back then and have been wow. patrons ever since we have asur azur inga jansen I'm not. Yeah. I'm positive. I'm not pronouncing that right. Gents. We have Louise from France. Oh, Louis. We have Michelle <laughs> from Pennsylvania. Nice. We have Becca from Pasadena. Becca. Do we know Becca? I don't know. Do we know Becca? I don't know. We have Nari from Seattle, who Nari. I know. She is a student of mine. We have uh, uh, Serenity, who we met. Serenity now. Uh, do you remember Serenity? Yes. We, we met. She's from California. We have Cheryl from Seattle. We have Marina Cheryl, Mar- from Marina. HR. What would HR be as a country? 
Any guesses? HR Honduras. country. Really? Uh, Hungary. Uh, uh, country. Ha, ha, uh, HR is Croatia. <laughs> How does that end up? Is an H a different? Must be in okay. their language. Uh, we have Duncan from Great Britain. We have Annie from Illinois. Julia from nice. San Francisco. Alexander from Oslo. What? Wait, it says Oslo DK. Oh. Is, 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 DK? is there an Oslo in Denmark? Denmark? Yeah. Let me look it up. Oslo to Denmark. No, I don't understand. Anyway, we have Michelle from Durham, North Carolina. We have nice. Desiree from San Francisco. We have Danielle from Grand Forks, New Me- uh, North Dakota. We have Karen from Pasadena. Another Pasadena. Oh. Hey, we have two Pasadena. Becca and Karen, you can meet nice. up. We have Jonathan from Montreal. Nice. So thank you all for becoming patrons and staying patrons this whole time. By the way, I love the name Desiree. Really? It's like Desire, but Desiree. Uh, patron Corey from Austin, he says, Hi, Kirk and Birdo. I just finished the Inside episode that you guys talked mm, about, the yeah. Bo Burnham, and was excited to hear your thoughts on the special. I wanted to ask or mention if you guys had seen Bo's three previous specials. Did I tell you I got a lot of hate for my not giving it a 10 out of 10? Actually, most of the hate was because I, I called it a comedy special. Even though the Netflix thing says comedy special. But because I called it a comedy special, I got a lot of hate. <laughs> Why? It was like, you know, a few comments of like, oh, you know what? I can't believe he's calling it a comedy special. It's not comedy. It's this, that, and the other thing. And so I was like, all right, all right, fine. But it says comedy on the thing. He's a comedian. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and I gave it, an, when I appended, uh, amended my uh, first score, I ended up giving it an eight. Eight is pretty damn good. Uh, have you seen the previous specials? His? Yeah. I've only seen YouTube videos of his comedy. I haven't seen other, like, are there other Netflix specials? There's other specials. Oh, yeah, I might have seen, I might have seen, because I've, I've watched him on YouTube a lot. Yeah. Uh, I have not. I, well, not a lot. The but very first thing I'd ever heard of him was Eighth Grade, the movie, and then... Which I, I didn't know. You told me that. In the- yeah. And then I saw Inside, which was the next thing I saw. After that, I went back and watched a lot of his early YouTube stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that when he's in his room just by himself, I, I like it. When some of his videos that he was doing when he was, I think, in his early mm-hmm. 20s, not for me. I'm just okay. going to say that. I mean, the lyrics are okay, but some of it, it just, it's a it's a tone of comedy that I find to be just be adolescent. See that? Okay. See, that is the part that I the reason it's an eight and not a ten is because of those little bits. Yeah. For example, the Instagram girl or whatever it's called, white girl Instagram, whatever yeah. that, that piece felt a little bit to me like that. And that's the kind of stuff that I enjoy less. It didn't for me. Uh, there was, there was, other than that one beat where I thought he was really drumming up the anger in that one scene as he couldn't get his takes right. Yeah, which I was okay with. I... There wasn't a single beat of that special that I found to be um, distasteful to me. But watching his old stuff, I see. Uh, there are a lot of things where I'm like, I'm like, oh, I yeah, because he was also a lot younger. You know? Yeah, and inside just feels so much more mature to yeah. me. And this was remember he took a break, he matured a lot. Well, he's older, you know. He's yeah. and and yeah. But I will say that regardless of 
how old he was. He is a master lyricist. Yeah, he's a very good musician. <laughs> uh, well, I'd say musically he's okay. Uh, I, I mean, I think to put together what he put for Inside. For Inside was good, yeah. but his early music I oh, find sure, sure. to it wasn't be as much. Um, a little on the simple side, which I yeah. think is on purpose. But from the very beginning, he, he looks like he's 15 and he's yeah. doing these long raps that yeah. are extremely complicated in one take yeah. live while he's playing the piano. And he's like uh, his like really crappy Casio keyboard. Yeah, yeah. He's in his room. And the mastery over the english language for for someone that age i just yeah. it's just amazing anonymous patron says i just listened to your coverage on inside and i felt immediately defensive at Berto's comments there you go <laughs> on on talking about suicide oh oh but by, by the oh, way okay. by the way i have this weird love hate thing towards Berto sometimes <laughs> have you ever heard that Berto? never in my life have i heard seriously that. of course i have from who I'm a very divisive, polarizing. What do they? Type. What do they tell you? Well, like you know, uh, I didn't care for you at first, but now I don't. You know, people say that. Yeah, like even the other day we were saying how like one of our uh, patrons was uh, found me. Uh, what was it? Uh, creepy at first. Oh right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look. It's, but even people in person. Uh, yeah, in person. I, I mean, not maybe not so much nowadays, but when I was younger. I remember, so in college, this, uh, these neighbors upstairs, we went and met them. And this guy, Adrian, uh, you know, later tells my friend, it's like, yeah, there's that guy, that Bardo guy, there's something weird about him. I don't like him. And I, I come to find out it's because I was, you know, I was trying to be, uh, he had asked me where I worked or something. And I was trying to be, um, Cryptic. not brag. I was trying to not brag. <laughs> right. Um, and in the process yeah, of got, trying to that not brag. Yeah, that, that drives me nuts when people go to Harvard and yeah, they yeah. say like, oh, I go to, is it New Haven or where? Yeah, yeah, yeah or something. Yeah, yeah I, I go to college in wherever the yeah. fuck the town is. I'm just like, no one cares that you go to yeah. Harvard. So in the process of trying to not brag, it, I came off as the biggest, you know, Douche. you know what. Yeah. And so I don't like that term because it's such a misogynistic term, you know. Douche? Yeah. Why? Because it's like... It's something perceived as dirty for women, and so like that makes. Oh, me, you know? interesting! Now yeah. I'm I'm being taught by the by yeah. Berta. This a man's Oh, how the how the <laughs> tables have turned. But anyways, the point is that happened another time. I remember I even when I was younger, I've told this one before. I was walking up the stairs at Liti's house, and I was staying there for a few days, and I overheard th- her her maid talking to oh, her in right. her room, and I, uh, and it was like. He's just insufferable, and he's so demanding, and I'm always having to do this and that. And then I started putting together that she was talking about me. Yeah. And I was like, ooh. So I walked back down the stairs, and I was like, oh, no, what was I saying? And then there were other times in my life where, where you know that happened, where I found out later someone had found. Now, usually, not always, usually people come around. Yeah. So there are people that instantly love me. There are people that instantly hate me. And a lot of times the people that instantly hate me, if they get to know me better, they come around. Yeah. But sometimes they don't want to get to know me better. Yeah, I'll say I had a small version of that when I first uh, encountered you. You were singing karaoke. We, yeah. we, we met singing karaoke. And you were singing this very elaborate Elton John song. <laughs> don't let the sun go down. <laughs> and I found it to be narcissistic because <laughs> everyone else including me really were 
hunched over in a corner and you were working the room. You yes. were you were walking it's up and walking down. It up. And you were standing tall yes. and you were like, I am a singer <laughs> and you are going to listen to me sing. And I remember For a long time. Yeah. And it was a long song, you know? And and I remember thinking I didn't hate you, but I just thought, Wow, that guy has a lot of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> And then, but you know, soon after that, we, we met, we became, you know, really good friends. But yeah, so anonymous pager said, I just listened to your episode on inside and I became defensive at Berto's comments about suicide. I have this weird love hate thing towards Berto sometimes. I understand his position on suicide feeling too grave of a topic for comedy, but when are we allowed to talk about it? It's hard because it is real that it's hard because it is uh, real that hearing about suicide triggers that thought cycle. So, so it, it, you know, she's saying that yes, talking about suicide can be triggering, but the alternative is just stuffing it and having this incredibly lonely, shameful experience. Berto, what do you think? That's fair. I mean, I, I've never experienced it, so that's fair. It's just that the thing I was reacting. Look, I even said in the in the episode that just as I was thinking that I was really uncomfortable with him joking about shooting himself like that because, again, I, I literally lost an uncle that way. Just as I was feeling that way, he then t- turned it around a little bit and started talking about it and then made a different jokey song. I was okay with that jokey song about suicide because he was kind of both kind of making a point and also still not taking it too serious. It, it, the, the thing I was having up until that point is that several times during the episode – he had made references to wanting to kill himself in, in, in such a passing and almost glorified way that that's what was bugging me. Because what I don't like is, is the glorification of the idea. Because I, I actually suffered at the hands of that event. You know, an event that yeah. took someone from my family through a gunshot that they self-inflicted. And there is nothing fun or glorious about it no, to me no. to me first off i want to say that birdo you're completely free to have your take and opinion yeah. and there wasn't anything about your take or opinion on the special that i found to be problematic in any way it was just it's comedy opinions it's an art it i mean if we could ever call comedy art bo burnham's special inside is comedy art yeah and art is extremely subjective yeah and so Berto, you watch that scene where he's talking about suicide and you're, at least at times, thinking, uh, I don't know if I like this tone. When he's literally saying, like, I think I'm, I forget what he says, but I'm going to grab a gun, put it to my head and shoot myself. Like when he's saying that. Yeah. And that moment is supposed to sort of be levity. I am sitting there going, ah, okay. But it's a very. Not uh, enjoying this. Yeah. I want to. If I, I encourage everyone to watch this scene because it's it's very tonally complex. Yeah. And what I will say is levity is a is a word for it, but it's so much different than that. To me, it's all in what I feel is being communicated to me, and what I felt was being communicated to me from Bo Burnham himself was that he legitimately thinks about suicide sometimes. And fair enough. And that he acknowledges that that happens to people sometimes. And these are thoughts that go through his mind. I could see him as he's thinking about suicide or about suffering or about trying to escape his suffering. He has this dialogue in his head (laughs) around like, 
well, don't do that. And, and he makes that sort of dialogue into this outward relationship between himself and the viewers. Yeah, but, yeah, no, no, but, but by that point, that's, that diffused what I was feeling. Yeah. I, that's, I said this in the, in the review. I said like that I was feeling that way. And then he sort of turned it into but, but I, a half serious, half joking point, And that was okay. But even if it's not okay with you, Berto, yeah. I, I would completely understand. When I was watching, and I, and I said this when we talked about it before, I was thinking, I understand if, one, people are like milk toast on this, or if they hated it. Because this thing right. is so unique in its tone that unless you're on board with Bo Burnham and his vibe in this whole thing, this whole thing is unwatchable in yeah. certain ways. And it, so, so I get that. You're, and you're, and you're, you weren't even saying that. So right. I'm just saying you're entitled to your opinion. Everyone is entitled to their, the vibe that they get from art, particularly around a topic like suicide. And that's okay. We can well, all have different takes on things. And to the question of like, is it never okay to, well, okay. So maybe some things aren't. Now I'm not saying suicide is one of them. I'm not sure. I'll tell you what. If we had a comedian, like if in his special or some other special, someone is going like, joking about rape it'd be it'd be a hard thing to defend like well when can we joke about rape right like at some point we'd be like i don't know if we can well it's a it's a you understand it's a different topic well, hold on i'm drawing lines right? i'm saying like there must be because one position one could take would be that no every topic is okay to be made fun of at some point, like you could take that stance, right? Uh, I, I wouldn't take that. Well, stance. I know, but some people do and can, right? Which is silly. And well, the, the best, to them the it's best not. book to listen to to understand why not is "Shrill" by Lindy West, a local hero of mine. She has a whole series of chapters on how she went up against all the comedians ar around making jokes ab about rape, and it's extremely well articul articulated. But on the day that nine eleven happened, I, I forget was it. George Carl Gil uh, 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 George Gra Gil Grape I want to say okay. what's his name um, someone was joking about 9-11 yeah. on yeah it's the guy okay. so um, Gilbert Godfrey Gilbert Godfrey okay so sure you I mean look I would Gil agree Grape. <laughs> I would agree that there are topics that, that are not okay for comedy some people don't take that stance some people say no everything should be okay for comedy okay no no it, Everything is "quote unquote" okay for comedy. Some some jokes are just extremely distasteful to me. That's I, that's. I actually key. don't agree that everything should be okay for comedy. For example, well, I don't. Free, I don't think. Free, what do you mean? What What would it mean for a joke to not be okay? It's against the law. No, that we should all be. That we should all not be into that. Basically, <laughs> like for example, uh, a comedian joking about being a pedophile or something. You know, like I, I'm not gonna laugh. I, I hope no one does. Right. So right? so if something's and, and this is this is Lindy West's whole thing is yeah. like what she's not saying censorship. What she's saying is understand the impact of this joke one and two yeah. understand maybe why you're saying the joke because if you're saying the joke for reasons that you could all probably agree are bad reasons then you probably shouldn't be making that so joke. therefore if if we had been talking about some some comedian special and in that comedy special they had joked about uh, actually murdering someone or which actually might be in com comedian specials uh or rape or something you really literally bad. just told about chris rock right. talking about well killing. he didn't but it was yeah but that's but, but if i said yeah that was making me really uncomfortable I, I think it would be a hard position to take to say, well, you shouldn't feel uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Okay. 
I think suicide isn't um, isn't victim free. The whole circle around the person that completes suicide. Yeah, what's your is point? Effective. I, I, what's that your point? I think it's it's perfectly viable to feel that suicide might be one of those categories. Categories where humor doesn't play well. Okay. Like but it did rape, play well with me. Like pedophiles. But the like but the look, we're not talking about pedophile. We're talking about suicide. I think, the suicide I think people jokes. think that suicide only affects them, but it actually does affect the, the their community. Do you think I think that? No. But I'm then saying, why do I think it's funny? Why you do you think that suicide is funny? I thought his jokes about suicide were funny. I don't know, because you found them funny. Yeah. Yeah. But but for me to take the position that I was uncomfortable because in my mind suicide isn't that funny i think shouldn't be that surprising because to me suicide is one of those categories it's not surprising not surprising well, to at some all. people it is okay but not to that's me. why we're talking about uh, the whole time i was watching but this I, special, i'm not having this conversation with you you never said that to me no i'm saying the people that are surprised that i would take that or but or i even, think your counter argument swings the opposite wrong in a equally wrong direction how is that to say you're essentially saying that as a society we should not have jokes about suicide no i'm saying that it, it is perfectly reasonable if someone says i don't find some of these sensitive topics that funny yeah yeah and so when someone asks but, but that's when not can what you we? i just want to be clear it's not what you said earlier what you said was uh, i think this is exactly what you said it's okay we should it's okay for us to say it's not okay to make jokes about suicide yeah. as a society is yeah. what you're saying yeah which I, I don't yeah. agree with. Well, that's fine, but 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 I think someone could propose that about rape, for example. So then you're arguing about the topics. Well, t to be specific about rape jokes is that, and Lindy West says this too. It's not rape jokes that are bad. It's the the kind of rape jokes that were prevalent up until ten years ago as a result of her actual advocacy and and activism. Yeah was they were essentially just straight-up jokes about how the comedian would be like, yeah, and then I raped her, and then everyone would laugh. Yeah. It would be that kind of joke. So, but, but you can make a joke about the topic of rape and have it not be misogynistic and have it not be harmful, not, not propagate ideas that are harmful to women. Okay. You, can, you can have jokes about a topic about suicide and have it not diminish the experience of those who are affected by suicide. Right. So to me, th these did fall in the category where they do diminish because when you start trying to make a joke saying, like, to me, it feels like that where it's like, I could literally grab a gun, put it in my mouth and pull the trigger in, like that kind of stuff. To me, is headed in that direction. It's like, well, that's literally what people do, and it, it's horrible, and it ruins a whole community. Yeah, I mean, you didn't think it was funny. I, 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 the whole time thought, and I've said this before, that he was empathizing. It felt empathetic towards people who suffer from suicide. It, that's the way it felt to me. It felt a hundred percent from beginning to end. Yeah, because. Of anyone who would detect it, it would be me. <laughs> like, I study this stuff. I treat this stuff. I think about it a lot. I, I'm not saying that someone couldn't hear that joke and feel demeaned or feel othered or feel as if their experience wasn't taken seriously. I could see that. But I'm not saying it's inherent in the joke because I, as someone who's very sensitive to suicide, only took it 
and a lot of the elements of that whole show, as the foundation was empathetic, on top of that was tongue-in-cheek, not the other way around. Okay, so I think you can have an opinion about it, and your opinion is that it was fine, and you, you left. I have a different opinion. But 100%. I, but I don't think your opinion is any more valid. 100%. Yeah. I've been saying that from the beginning. But I will argue for you against the listeners and say that you're entitled to feel it wasn't funny and that there were elements of that, of various jokes in that uh, special and maybe even that one that felt disrespectful. I will completely stand by that because if it felt that way to you, it felt that way to you. And it was, it's art. He wasn't giving a lecture on like, let me tell you about the problems of suicide and then you stand up and be like i disagree it wasn't that sort of thing he's 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 playing with culture and with ideas that are on the edge of our comfort level and suicide is one of those things and again i just felt like he was being empathetic and and that would be my hope is that when people watch it they don't walk away going like suicide's funny or isn't it funny to joke about killing yourself i felt it was more like it's possible that people who have experienced someone in their life being taken away by, by suicide would feel not so fun during those moments. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So, and similar to what we were talking about before in terms of when he would make these jokes about Jeff Bezos or the environment and then he'd be riffing about like, you know, maybe we shouldn't put all of our power in corporations that are incentivized to pollute the earth and exploit us. I'm just saying like, maybe, maybe we shouldn't do that. Long pause. I'm horny. Like I get for you (laughs) that, that feels like a setup of a serious thing. And then just completely tearing it down with a, you know, just, uh, you know, silly adolescent joke. But for me, when I hear it <laughs> and I watch that, I watch that and I think, oh my God, that is how I feel. And sometimes <laughs> you just want to make a joke about being horny. Yeah. And all those things still exist. You yeah. know what I mean? Which I totally get. And everyone is entitled to that. Absolutely. Well, it's like, like I said before, I love Jon Stewart. I love The Daily Show. I, I actually find that that classic form of humor where you kind of are going somewhere and then you deflate that's great that's cl- very classic my lamentation was that i wish i just wish that was the exception to the rule like ah and we can also make fun of it cuz right. we are taking it so seriously we might as well make fun of it a little bit right yeah i i get that and at the same time i i'm not particularly interested in censorship I'm interested in conversations about things that help. Like, for example, just even the jokes about rape. Yeah. As as someone who hasn't experienced rape, I would hear jokes about rape, and I don't know. I don't remember how I would have reacted to it in the past. It's hard for me to remember, but I don't remember being like upset about it. But to hear Lindy West and other people break down the jokes, yeah, I say, oh, <laughs> yeah. I see that. And now when I hear a joke about rape, I don't like it at all. Like I I cringe as I, you know, and it's rare now because I think of Lindy West's work. I'll hear the beginning of it. I'll be like, oh, uh oh. So how did that happen? Well, it happened because I listened to people. I heard what they had to say. 
I didn't change just because I changed. I changed because I learned other people's experience. And so I think when we have conversations like this about how it affects people, I think then we as a society learn. Censoring, I don't think, is the idea or saying right or wrong or political correctness. Right. I think it's about hearing people's experience. Like, for example, when some people walk away from a PC conversation about asking someone, you know, where they're from, like, like, where are you from? And they'll say like, what? It's like not politically correct to ask someone where they're from. I'm just not supposed to ask that question anymore because everyone's a snowflake. And, And so I try to really explain like, this is why it hurts me when people ask me throughout my life, because I don't look white where I'm from, it makes me feel like a foreigner. You know, but I've ranted about this many times and I'm not saying you're not supposed to do it. I'm saying if you understand my experience, you won't do it. (laughs) Yeah. If you just understood what happens inside of me, I trust you won't do it. And so I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying listen to me and I'm sure you will change your behavior. Which is why I'm saying what I say, which is like, hey, you're free to say your jokes. Just so you know, the reason it's an eight and not a 10 is for a few reasons. One of them is... I don't find suicide so funny. Here's why, you know. Yeah. But of course, censorship is a complete straw man argument. We shouldn't be censoring anything. So right now, the love-hate meter of the listeners, where do you think you're at? Well, if I <laughs> if I am to guess, knowing how the internet is, it's like, did you just compare Bo to someone joking about rape? <laughs> so it's probably in like 10, 10 out of 10 hate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you underestimate the love. No, I know. I, I know. We, There's, that's why it's a spectrum. So, yeah, yeah. We, we get a lot of emails. People say they only listen to Birdo episodes. Yeah. In fact, I... To hate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, gave a patron survey a while back, and I'm still coding all the qualitative data, which takes me forever. Um, but, and it feels like homework, so I avoid it. <laughs> but... A lot of people on the survey would say their favorite part of the podcast is you. Nice. Touching. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Uh, Go to our website, click on the contact page, and tell us where you are on the love or hate Birdo. But particularly if you love Birdo, because we would love to forward those emails to him. And everyone out there, please take care of yourself because you deserve it.